0: Look what it says as I move into this word. I'm sharing image management versus authentic living. And this, as I speak to both of these ministry schools, as I talk to you, as I begin to pour into you, I I want you to get this because it's my highest honor to speak to those that carry the mantle. But we don't talk about the stuff I'm about to talk about. We love to talk about we're going to lead a movement. We love to talk about we're going to stand on the stages. We love to talk about we're going to have our own ammo conference someday. We love to talk about how we're going to have thousands of disciples, but we never talk about the mirror. So I must share image management versus authentic living. In fact, the subtitle is transparent or naked because there's a huge difference in transparency and being naked. Isaiah 61 verse 10 says this. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. Arrayed me in the robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest. And as a bride adorns herself with jewels. It says he's adorned me in a robe of righteousness. That means when I walk into a room. People don't see who I used to be. In fact really I'm supposed to be a reflection Of what everybody else is called to be. But in ministry, I really think from what I'm watching across the nation. I'm reminded of sitting with Pastor Bunky at the ammo conference and we spent three hours in the car coming back and I left him weeping. I went to my hotel room because he said, God takes me to heaven at least three times a week. And I went to my hotel room there in Modesto and I said, take me to heaven, God. Show me the secrets. And you know what God said to me? It's not time. You're not ready for that. But I'd rather spend three hours with a man, not because he's led a billion people to Christ. It's just that when I sat with him, I felt Jesus. And today, when I sit with a lot of leaders, I don't feel Jesus. And I'm I'm definitely not the barometer for whether or not somebody feels like Jesus. But I don't feel Jesus when I sit with most leaders. There's times when I sit with Glenn Berto, I feel Jesus. He stirs me up. I've sat with a lot of leaders when I sit with them. I usually walk away feeling less. If if you ever meet with me and I'm in Modesto or you're here or we're together and you walk out of the room feeling like lesser of man or woman of God or because of what I represent, it's unattainable. I have failed miserably as a leader. So let me talk about this, because this is what God began to speak, because, see, listen, I, I have a rough time keeping up with um, with all the styles of clothing and everything. I really do. I mean, I just have a tough time. Now, here I am, Mr. Youth Communicator, speaking all over America, and I have such a tough time uh, keeping up with it, because the, the fads uh, keep changing, and I find myself at Buckle, or I find myself at Abercrombie, and, and looking for the coolest, trendiest, thinnest-looking clothes, <laughs> Really the most uncomfortable clothes. So I can be the guy on stage. And remember, I told you one time, I tried to go, I tried to go with the skinny jeans, but I just felt like a hippopotamus in pantyhose. They did not work for me. I spent the whole time on stage tucking in my belly. And, and, um, and so I, I, I want to be that guy on stage I'm expected to be when I show up at all these youth conferences. But man, I miss cargo pants. I miss them. In the day of skinny jeans and very small v-necks, it doesn't work. And I really hate shopping for clothes. Why can't we be like the Israelites? Their clothes didn't wear out. In fact, Nehemiah chapter nine refers to the children of Israel in the promise or in the in the wilderness period. It says, "For forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen." I love that. No wonder they didn't want to go into the promised land because none of the men wanted to go shopping. But you know what? In ministry, and you can you know you can try to follow along with me on the notes if you want, but I'd rather you kind of watch me. Because I'm giving you word for word and I, I speak manuscript, but in, many, in ministry it's so easy to be dressed sharp and yet naked on stage. Because every leader fears overexposure to the reality of how you're really dressed. I have prayed more than once, walking on stage in front of thousands of people, I have prayed more than once, Please, Lord, don't let them see the real Pat. Don't let them see the guy that just went off on the tech guy or on somebody on my team because for some reason I didn't get my carnality under control that day. And I and, and don't let them see the real me who's tired. The time I got off the plane in New Zealand and I thought I didn't have to speak to the next morning and I had flown for 40 hours and all of a sudden they said, what time do you want us to pick you up at the hotel? Next thing I know, I said, pick me up tomorrow morning. I'm going to bed. And they said, no, you're speaking in two and a half hours. I went to my room and I just, I wanted to cry. And yet God poured out his spirit because when I got up there, I hadn't had time to think about how to be cool. I hadn't had time to think about the funny jokes. The time I got off the plane with my daughter from China, after traveling 40 hours, seven hour layover in L.A., Took Abby to the house. We had a little gathering, friends. And I drove three and a half hours and preached at a youth convention in North Carolina. Had an outpouring of God as kids were wailing and weeping. So I think sometimes it is so good when we get have to walk in not prepared to be what we're really not. Because every leader fears that overexposure. Can't tell you how many times I've said, "Lord, cover my nakedness. Don't let them know where I'm really at today. Don't really, don't let them see who who I really am, because then they're going to be let down." And so often we get dressed for the world and forget to be clothed to meet the Savior. So often we get dressed for the world in ministry, but we we fail to close ourselves to actually meet God. Remember when Ruth met Boaz, and Boaz and Ruth are the replica of Christ in the redeeming church, and. Bo, uh, Boaz was the kinsman redeemer, and she got herself ready to meet his her kinsman redeemer. And, and the Bible says in Ruth chapter three, verse three, wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, go to the broken place. But don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. In other words, the Bible says you got to get dressed to go to the place of crushing. And this is a scripture I want to bring you to, and I'm going to come back to it in a moment. But in Genesis chapter 9, verse 22, in the NIV, it says, Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. Now, you know the story. This is one chapter removed from the flood. Noah is the father of the planet at this point. He is the ultimate farmer. He is also the ultimate priest. There were no priests. He was the priest. He was the father. He was the priest. He was the head of the planet. He was everything That God had asked him to be, and the Bible said when he drank some of its wine, and I'll get into that in a moment because it's so easy to drink from our own fruit. He became drunk and he lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, that's his boy Ham. I wonder if he had another son named Steak. (laughs) Anyway. The father of Canaan saw his father naked. And he went out and told his brothers outside. I'm going to come back to Noah in just a minute because in his sons at the end of this teaching. But I, I want to plant a seed that every leader ends up naked at some point. Every leader forgets to get dressed in God at some point. We all do. We all lose it. Every leader finds themselves uncovered and others get to see what is hidden underneath the leader's armor. Nakedness is always a metaphor for spiritual state. Remember that in the Bible. And God is looking to close us with blessing, clothe us with blessings. Look at Psalms 3 through 3, 8. It says, real help comes from God. Your blessing clothes your people. Your blessing is what clothes the people. I love that right there. So, so number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, adorn, adorned with self. How many people have walked up to me lately in the last couple of weeks and said, I love your mantle. I love your anointing. You're the best preacher I've ever heard. It happened to me in Milwaukee last week and Texas, two days in a row. And I went to my prayer room and I said, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that because I've learned that if they can see me, they can't see Him. I've done this. I've been guilty of twittering how great we are. We Facebook our newest message. We promote our ideas. We declare our voice to a generation. Yet we rarely get honest about our own Spiritual state. Now this is a very tough ver- verse right here in the Bible because this is Joel talking about the outpouring of God that is coming to the land. This is Joel. gets so radically real. And look what he says in Joel, Joel chapter 2, verse 13 in the Message Bible. Change your life, not just your clothes. If you read it in the NIV, it says, rent your heart, not just your garments. Come back to God, your God. And here's why. God is kind and merciful. He takes a deep breath, puts up with a lot. This most patient God extravagant in love, always ready to cancel catastrophe. Who knows? Maybe he'll do it now. Maybe he'll turn around and show pity. Maybe when all's said and done, there'll be blessings full and robust for your God. Let me tell you a story. Recently, I was with a friend of mine in Ohio last, uh, two weeks ago. And it was Easter Sunday. And we were talking about how in ministry it's so easy to be fake. I see fakeness in this room. I see fakeness in my room. I see fakeness in the mirror. Because the fact of the matter is, anybody that says you've got, you've got to be, that you can be real all the time is lying. Because people love your anointing, they cannot handle your humanity. Everybody loves your anointing, but they have a tough time if you're human. And lots of times in ministry, we're not allowed to be human. But my friend, Reminded me of a story that I had heard as a boy. And it was one of my favorite stories. And, and, and it's this, this is the story. There once was an emperor who lived his life to wear the fanciest clothes he could buy. This emperor, it consumed him. You've heard the story. The emperor's new clothes. It so consumed him, mean, he never focused on his kingdom. He never worried about protecting the kingdom, the advancement of intruders, or the business of an empire. This emperor was so wrapped up in buying the newest, sharpest clothes, it's all he thought about. One day, two fakes come to the gates of the city, and they said, we want to see the emperor. We have created the greatest clothing line in history. The emperor hears about it. He said, bring them in. They sit down with the emperor, and they said, now look, here's the deal. It's going to cost you a lot of money, a lot of gold, but we're going to create for you a garment that is the most beautifully adorned garment ever created. But we just want to go ahead and tell you, it's so beautiful, normal people can't see it. In fact, if anybody cannot see it, it proves that they're not very smart and they don't belong in the position they're in. The empress said, awesome. They said, now it's invisible to the normal person. And all of a sudden, they, he gives them a giant room and they go into a loom and they acted like they were working day and night, but you and I both know they weren't doing anything. they were supposedly creating the invisible clothing. They would ask for more gold to line the pockets. They would ask for more money until finally the emperor couldn't take it any longer. So he sent an advisor to go check it out. And this advisor walks in the room and they say, can't you see? Look at how incredible this is. They acted like they were working at a loom and they were making the thread. and They were holding up pieces of garment. And the advisor, he knew the rule. If you couldn't see the garment, you're either dumb or didn't belong in your position. So he went back to the emperor and he lied. He went back and he said, man, it's the most beautiful clothing you've ever seen. Sends another advisor. Same thing happens. Comes back and said, it's the most beautiful garment you've ever seen. Sends his army. The whole army goes in to see. And these fakes hold up. Look at, don't you see? And they started cheering and screaming. It's beautiful because none of them wanted to lose their position. Finally, the king shows up one day. To look at the clothing. And he notices it's invisible. He can't see anything. They start holding up. They say, we're done. Look at this jacket. The king doesn't see anything, but he's so afraid that the people will see his inadequacy that he's either dumb or doesn't belong as an emperor that he says, it's gorgeous. He gets completely naked, and they act like they put this jacket on him, these pants on him, this vest on him, and all this. And now he's completely naked, and the people start cheering. Look at the king's beautiful clothing. He leads a parade through the streets. The king is naked. And everyone's cheering because they all know the rule. If you don't see his clothing, you're either dumb or don't belong in positions of power. Till finally, one little boy looks up and says, He's naked. The whole procession stops. And people start to grumble. He is naked. The king says, I am naked. But because he had already started a parade, he didn't end the parade. He kept walking naked through the streets. See, I understand something. There's so much to learn from that story because it really describes ministry. We've got so many people telling us that we're great. Nobody ever gets the chance to tell us they're naked, that we're naked because they're afraid they'll be considered dumb, inadequate. Or they're afraid that they'll never get a position. So in ministry, we place around ourselves people that tell us how wonderful we are. Could it be, is it possible to be self-indulgent, so self-indulgent that you refuse to realize when you're naked? Is it possible to, these are some questions I'm going to ask. Is it possible to have people around you that you're so worried about position, they won't be honest with you? What I love about my assistant, Jamie, she's been with me almost a decade. And Jamie as at times, she's used wisdom, but she said to me, you need to quit acting like that. Karen has said to me, Pat, you're not acting like Jesus. Because if you're a strong leader, the very thing that makes you effective, that voice of yours, is also your greatest weapon to hurt people. The very thing you cut the devil with, you will use to cut others. The enemy within me is what I teach on. The thing that makes you great is also your biggest inadequacy. So if you're a great singer, why try? Why practice? If you're a great preacher, why study? Why write new messages in one day? Listen, I've got books after books after books. I could have walked in and given you something out of a book today that I wrote a long time ago. But that story, when my friend brought it up to me in Ohio, so struck me, because I wonder how many times I've been naked on stage, but everybody was saying, saying, you're fantastic, Pat. You're the best we've ever heard. Could it be? You can get so wrapped up in image that you ignore the kingdom. That's what happened to the emperor. Could it be you get so overwhelmed with self that your fear of failure never allows those around you to see the real you? Could it be that you get so self-absorbed that the enemy can deceive you into purchasing an identity that leaves you nude? Now listen to that. Could it be that you're so self-absorbed that the enemy can deceive you into purchasing an, uh, an identity that leaves you stripped naked? No mantle, no calling. That is, in the midst of the parade, people are singing your praises while children see the real you. I love it when my daughter calls me out. My son used to do it. When Abby looks at me and says, that outfit looks dumb. Why are you wearing that, Daddy? Daddy, why are you acting like that? Because kids can see. That's why Jesus said, hey, disciples, back off, buddy. Don't you keep those kids from me. Because Jesus knew. That's why the Bible says when you go to heaven, you have to be like a child. Jesus knew those kids would tell him the truth. Disciples would lie to him because they were constantly trying to get positions. Who's the greatest Jesus? Jesus said, I heard you arguing on the way up here. You're going to be like that tree that's cursed. See, the emperor bought into a lie that was above the ability to be transparent. Therefore, he ended up naked in front of everybody. And I would say this very boldly. What God put in my spirit is that we have leaders all over America that are standing in front of thousands and they're really naked. They have no armor on. So number two, write this down. Our approach has to change to ministry. There is a stirring in my heart for a cleaning up of the priesthood. We have created such an image that if we fall, the people will just move on to another new celebrity. It's almost like it's, it's so weird to me right now in the youth culture because we put time limits on leaders. Oh, yeah, you're irrelevant now. Oh my God, I sat with Josh McDowell three weeks ago in a room and he began to tell me about four percent of a generation not believing in absolute truth. And I watched tears rolling down his face. Josh has got to be close to 80 years old. You're going to tell me he's irrelevant. He's irrelevant. In this room, on both coasts, in Alabama and in California, those of you who are watching, there are mothers and fathers that God wants to raise up to a generation. It's the four girls that walked up to me in Wisconsin last week and handed me four razor blades and said, we'll be your princesses if you'll be our king. I went, what? They said, we need a dad. And you called us princesses tonight. They handed me their four razor blades. I just stood there weeping. But we've created such an image that if we fall with it, they'll just move on to a new celebrity. And the world wants priests that look like them and act like them and even lead like them. But look, it reminds me of John chapter 18. Remember in verse 40 when they said, Hey, we get to release one prisoner at this time every year at Passover. Who's it gonna be? Give us Barabbas. Why not Jesus? He had never done anything wrong. Barabbas was a murderer. His name literally means to lead an unholy revolution. Give us Barabbas. You know why the people wanted Barabbas and they didn't want Jesus? Because Jesus reminded them of who they could be. Barabbas reminded them who they didn't end up like. It's a whole lot easier to look at a Barabbas than a Jesus. Give us Barabbas. Don't give me Jesus. Don't make me go to another level. Give me somebody that I've already passed. Barabbas gives us an excuse to say, I'm not that bad. At least I'm not him. He's a murderer. Don't give me Jesus because he might put a standard in my life that says, you know what? I can't look at porn at night. You know what? I can't date people God hasn't called me to date. You know what? I've got to study, I've got to pray, I've got to be different. I'm hurrying, so just stay with me, because we've, we've bought into this talk show Christianity. Everybody's cool, everybody's sharp, and I get it. There's nothing wrong with being sharp on stage. I'm, I'm, I'm about it, but 1 Timothy 6, verse 20 says, and oh, my, and oh, my dear Timothy, guard the treasure you were given. Guard it with your life. This is the Message Bible. This is Paul. Avoid the talk show religion and the practice confusion of the so-called experts. People caught up in a lot of talk can miss the whole point of faith. Overwhelming grace keeps you. He says they can miss what actually keeps you. Peep, in other words, he's saying the crowds don't keep keep, uh, keep you. The, the 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 studio audience doesn't keep you. Only thing that will keep me in the middle of the night when I'm weary and I'm tired and I preach too much is grace. Grace is the image that God placed in front of us. To help us walk away from our yesterday and dive into our tomorrow. And we always stand up at churches and declare who we are, but. in conferences and declare who we are, but because we can no longer share about the revelation of who he is. So we spend the first 20 minutes of our teachings talking about us. I've done it. Listen, don't think that Pat's coming on in today. I'm literally... did Do you know what God took me to last week in my prayer closet? He took me to Mark chapter 4. Remember the three temptations with Jesus? The three temptations. Turn stone into bread. In other words, that represents provision. Second temptation. What did he say? Took him to the peak of the temple. They stood on the highest point in the land and said, I'll give you the land. So God will make you the ruler that you want to be. And that's being taught right now that we're our own gods. It's a lie. And then the third thing, he said, throw yourself down. See if the angels will bear you up. So in other words, Jesus defeated three things. The very three things that I have prayed for in ministry for 20 years and realized I've been praying wrong. He defeated supernatural provision. When God says, I've got your back, don't beg for me. Don't ask me for a million dollars. Then he defeated the stage, the high point. How many times have I prayed, God, give me the nations, Lord? Let me stand on the biggest stages. Let me be that guy, Lord. Let me stand there and let me let me do this. Let me give me the land, God. Let me do the biggest conferences. And then he defeated a destructive spirit. This says I can do whatever I want because I'm God's man. He's got to get my back. Testing God. How often have I tested God? If you do this, God, I'll do that. The very way I prayed for 20 years, I had prayed wrong. And I wonder how many times the very things we pray for are the very things that Jesus already defeated. God, give us the big ministry. Give us the money. Give us this. And Jesus said, why are you asking for what I already conquered? He got baptized and Mark the third chapter, suddenly found himself by the spirit, led into the wilderness. Once he gets in the wilderness, all of a sudden he faces temptation for 40 days. It takes 40 days to defeat things in your life. He's fasted for 40 days. And the very things that I've been praying for for 20 years of ministry, I've been praying wrong because I've been asking God to give me what he already conquered instead of praying thy will be done god what do you want me to do you want me to live in a ditch i'll live in a ditch you want me to go to the nations? you want me to go live in haiti and live in a tent i'll go live in other words god says so many times we pray for the very things he's already conquered and i wonder how many times he's looked over the devil and says he's got to be talking to you because he's not talking to me i've already defeated that In Job chapter forty verse ten it says then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. We live in a generation where we have now created superstar leaders that have exalted themselves higher than God. Is this okay for me to share something like this, Pastor Micah? Because this is what I see. This is what I see in the green rooms. Do you know how much crap I've seen in green rooms? I see people flirting. Where's righteousness? I will fair to say, if the big stage could lead to my demise, keep me on a small stage. I'm amazed at how, how we look upon the stage and we see the shimmering armor of modern day knights and yet they never allow us to get close enough to see the scars that were retained in battle. Because scars on earth are testimonies in heaven. I'm thinking about. Remember King David's fall from grace. Remember, I'm reminded of King David's mighty fall in Second Samuel, the 11th chapter. It says he had become so isolated while everybody else was doing battle. He hid in his ivory castle, and a sin approached that had pounced on him. Look what it it says. I love this in Psalm 51. This is what he would say after his moral failure. My God, I hope I never have to pray this. You're the one I violated. You've seen it all. Psalms 51 verse 4. You've seen the full extent of my evil. You have all the facts before you. Whatever you decide about me is fair. I've been out of step, God, with you for a long time. In the wrong since before I was born. What you're after is truth from the inside out. Enter me then, conceive a new true life inside of me. That's what David said. Enter inside of me and conceive a new life. A true life. a rip. No more lies. No more fake crap. You think maybe David fell because somewhere in his history he forced another leader to be naked? Remember when David goes into the cave and Saul is relieving himself? Saul's going to the bathroom. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 24 that David cuts off the cloak. It actually believed that he cut off the backside. He crawled into the cave. Saul's going to the bathroom. He cuts the part that covers his backside. So when Saul walks out, tradition teaches that the whole kingdom saw the king's butt. He was mooning everybody. And it so embarrassed Saul that he became humbled at that moment. Actually makes covenant with David. And says, look, I know you're going to be king someday, but just promise me you won't kill my children when you become king. That's what he goes on to say in the chapter. But I've thought about this. I wonder if when David, all those years later, was standing on that balcony because he was still under Saul's covering at the time, that when he cut Saul's covering and exposed him and made him naked in front of the people, he actually cut away the covering that would have been there that night to cover him and keep him from falling and destroying his family. I'm reminded of when I was 16 years old and I was laying on the floor screaming for the anointing. A while back, years ago, God took me back to that moment of me, not too far from here, laying in a basement floor at 16 screaming for the anointing. And he said, Pat, if you play with my anointing, I'll strip it from you and I'll find another 16-year-old and put it on him. You know what the thing about God is? If you mess up and fall down, He'll find somebody to take your place. Why? Because it says, My purpose goes from generation to generation. Your sin will not interrupt God's purpose. It interrupts your purpose. i got to hurry. Yet the longer... I'm in ministry. I have realized that with each situation that is sent to distract or even invite into disrupt, I have a choice to either add to my armor or take a piece of my armor off. And we're so naked, nobody tells us the truth. Like the emperor, everyone can see our nakedness. Everyone knows we are making a fool of ourselves. But out of fear for position or intellect, those around us stay quiet. I'm, get, I'm, I'm hurrying, so stay with me. Listen to me. Write this down. Uh, we must get dressed as priests again. It's Psalms 132, verse 16. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her faithful people will ever sing for joy. See, the Bible has so much to say about how we dress. Ecclesiastes 9.8 always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil the white represents the call to purity and always anoint your head with oil it says right there we're called to be different from the world I'm not called to look like the world I've got to be different in fact now does that mean I can't dress cool? no but it can't be what I'm all about it can't be about how I can walk on stage and show my high tops and my skinny jeans and and my hat a certain way God's saying walk out and show him my authority walk out and show them that you can actually read this that you know what it says that it's Hidden in your heart that you might not sin against yourself. Walk out and show them there's something different. In fact, it's when Adam and Eve sinned that God began to create clothes. God started clothing us because of our own sinful nature. In Genesis 3.21, the Lord gave, uh, made garments of skin for Adam and his wife. And he clothed them. Psalms 30 verse 11. You turn my welling into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. How much joy do I see in ministry? proverbs 31 solomon wrote this about bathsheba which proves bathsheba probably didn't have an affair with david she probably got raped by david because the king sent for her she is clothed with strength and dignity she can laugh at the days to come that's speaking about bathsheba a proverbs 31 woman clothed with dignity i don't see very much dignity when i look at worship teams on stage anymore oh pat you're just getting religious no i'm not when I'm speaking at a university, I have to look at one of my staff members that's standing beside me and say, Please do not look at the girl on stage right now. She needs to go put clothes on. Oh, you're going to get all religious like that, aren't you? You're going to bust on us like, No! You're just proving you're naked. God wants us to get dressed again. Remember what he said to lay out us in your church in Revelation, the third chapter? Here's what I want you to do. Buy gold from me, gold that's been through the refiner's fire. Then you'll be rich. Buy your clothes for me, clothes designed in heaven. <laughs> God's got a designer shop in heaven. He's like, what's, what's up? You've gone around half naked long enough. You've, all, In other words, you've walked around with half anointing for too long. I have more for you. you go ahead and buy medicine for your eyes so you can see what you really look like. That's what he's saying. We must not ignore those around us who can tell us when we are naked. Because he said, Pat, where are my Samuels that will walk into the Davids and say you're in sin? Where's my John the Baptist? You know what John the Baptist did? He wore clothes that hurt. He wore camel skin that ripped his skin raw. To be reminded of the pain of humanity. And the price that Jesus would pay. He had read Isaiah 54. He knew what he would pay. He would face. Where's the John the Baptist? Where's the ones that will go out and preach in the streets? The ones that will just get real and say, i got to win somebody for Jesus. I love what Pastor Bonke said to me one day. He said, Pat, I've never ever complained on the road. I'm like, oh my God, I complained yesterday. He said, I've never complained at delayed flights or anything. I said, really? He said, why would I complain about the honor of preaching the gospel? I'm like, I hate me. Where's the Jeremiah's? Remember Jeremiah? He's in captivity. At 30 years old, a man becomes a priest. That's why Jesus got baptized at 30. You know what Jeremiah did with chains on? He was walking down the road as a slave and suddenly threw himself in a ditch and rolled around in the mud. He ordained himself. God created me in the secret place. I was naked before Him in the secret place. Leaders who do not visit the secret place forget when it's important to wear clothes. Because when I'm in the secret place, I can get real, I can be naked before God. But if you don't ever visit the secret place, you're gonna end up getting naked in front of people. It's Revelation sixteen, fifteen. I'm about to close right here. It says, Keep watch. I come and announce like a thief. You're blessed if you wake and dress yourself for me. Too bad if you're found running through the streets naked and ashamed. And this is it. I'm done. Give us sons and daughters that will clothe our nakedness. Remember Noah? He just got off the boat. He plants a vineyard. He gets drunk on his new wine on the new on the new vineyard. The vineyard represents the land you're called to take. It's so easy to get indulged and drunk off the fruit that we've produced. But remember something, fruit rots. No matter what, all our fruit's going to rot someday. But it's so easy to get drunk off our own success while our children stand outside our place of rest. We're all subject to self-deprivation as we lock people out of our tents. Noah is in a tent. Noah is naked. Noah's son... Sees his dad lying naked, he begins to mock and laugh. That's what I put. I've learned that people love our anointing, they enjoy our anointing, but they can't handle our humanity. In Genesis chapter 9, I'm not going to read it, but basically, Noah, man of the soil, plants a vineyard. It tells the whole story. Verse 24 says, when Noah awoke from his wine. Now follow me for a second because I skipped over. Let me read that to you. Verse 23. Verse 22 says that Ham mocks his father for being naked. Verse 23. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backwards and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so they would not see their father naked. Give me somebody that respects me enough. That in my naked state spiritually. They still honor me enough. To cover me without looking at me. Noah wakes up. He's ticked off. And you know what he does? He curses Ham. Actually, he doesn't. He curses Ham's son. Well, Pat, why in the world? Why in the world would he not curse Ham? Why did he curse his boy Canaan? who would lead a people that would become slaves to his brothers and slaves to all the people, why in the world would he look at Ham and say, hey, you know what? I'm not cursing you. I'm cursing your boy. Everybody always says Ham was cursed. Ham wasn't cursed. Canaan was his son. The Canaanites. Slaves. Because we know that in, chapter, in verse 1 of chapter 9 that he blessed the sons. God blessed the sons. So God's the type of God, He won't remove your blessing, but He'll curse those that come after you. In other words, what I do today affects my children tomorrow. It is so right when I see somebody lead an unholy revolution against somebody in ministry, and instead of covering their nakedness and helping them. Mom and dad, they go on with life, but their kids backslide. Their kids become slaves to this world. Ham's act of selfishness and disrespect causes son to be a slave to everyone the two other boys were they were blessed we must have those around us that will still honor our nakedness and cover us in our season of drunken sleep Ham's disrespect for his father calls his own son uh, to serve those what have we learned in this little teaching no leaders above ending up naked. But hopefully we'll have sons and daughters that will cover our nakedness. Where's the full armor of God? I'm done. God sent me to share this little teaching that I wrote this morning. Literally, literally a few moments ago before this class. But Modesto, Birmingham, Birmingham, I'd rather live in a cave with No congregation around me i, I have a scripture I, I must read to you if you'll allow me uh, I found this the other day in my, a new message I just wrote um i, I just i've got it i've got to share this for a second uh in in because in I have this scripture that i just i just love and I, I got to find it if you'll just you just hold on a second longer um here it is. Can I read this scripture? This is who you're supposed to be. This is what God created us to be. I love this. First Corinthians four, verse nine through ten, in the Message Bible, it says, "It seems to me that God has put us on bear, put us, uh, put us who bear His message on stage. Listen to this, on stage in a theater in which no one wants to buy a ticket, or something everyone." We're, we're something everyone stands around and stares at like an accident in the streets. We're the Messiah's misfits. I love that. He says, as Paul said, seems like we've been put on a stage and nobody's in the congregation. Nobody wants to buy tickets to watch us. But you know what? We're the Messiah's misfits. You know who's God's using? Us nobodies. The oops and the accidents. The ones that really, if everybody knew our nakedness, if everybody knew the mistakes we made in college... If everybody knew all the junk, they'd never buy a ticket. I don't know, maybe they would actually. Because we're living in a generation where everybody loves to air their dirty laundry. Because it's about them. But if we actually preach a message of holiness, power, and authority, you think they'll still buy a ticket? You think they'll still show up? I hope. So God got me up this morning. I'm out jogging. I'm running. Then I was lifting some weights. And he said, go write this message right now. Soaking wet with sweat, I went into my office and wrote this today to tell you, do you have image management or do you have authentic living? Now, let me just tell you, if you have image management, you're still going to be blessed for a season. Because we, so many times, and I'm not being mean, preach to people that can't tell the difference. And as long as we're great communicators, and as long as we got the look, they'll cheer us on. But my question is when I go into my prayer closet at night, my question is when I walk into heaven, Will I be looking for everyone to cheer me around the throne? for him to just simply say, Hey, Pat, you did really good today. In fact, Pat, let me clothe you in a, a heavenly garment that I created for you. And when he goes to pull it out, it's going to be this very armor that someday I'll use to defeat Satan and his, and, his, and his minions when I go to battle with God. So what God sent me to share today is no more fake leaders. But if you do get around a leader that ends up naked, back in slowly. Because you may be close enough to them in the cave where the waste is coming out of their body, that you could cut their, gar- their garment and embarrass them. You may be close enough that you can glance in the door and see their nakedness. But they're still anointed. Romans eleven twenty nine. God's gifts and call are irrevocable. Not a lot of cheering today, I see. But right where you're at, right where you're at, stand up. Stand with me. I wonder how many times, Micah, I've stood on stage and I was so naked. nobody loved me enough to tell me. Hey Pat. You're naked. I know you think you have an invisible armor on. Put some children around me that will say. Hey preacher. You're naked. Huh? You don't have your armor on.